Hey, 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 everybody. It's Amanda with Operation Stop CPS. And I am excited to have this conversation with people who are ready to see change. Because that is what it's all about, is to be able to see change, the change that we want to see. And so the topic today is she has risen. She has risen. And so today we are going to talk to Black women who will no longer remain silent while the United States government wages war against the Black family. So we have formed a coalition of Black-led organizations who are engaged in the fight to end the relationship between Child Protective Services and the Black community. We are rising up to end the kidnapping of our Black children. And we are here today to talk about the Black Mothers March on the White House. And so the Black Mothers um, March on the White House is steered by the African National Women's Organization, Operation Stop CPS, Movement for Family Power, JMAC for Families, the, the Life Recovery Project, the Family Justice Tribe, and the Coalition Against Family Separation. And these organizations exist to expose the systematic attack on Black women and the Black family by the United States government. And we are coming to Washington, D.C. to let the U.S. government know that the scheme is over. You can no longer kidnap our children and tell us it's for our own protection. We are our own protection. We don't need you, right? That's what we are here and we are coming to Washington, D.C. to say. And so today we are going to talk to some of the powerful organizers who make up the steering committee for the Black Mothers March. I also want to bring up the moderator for the, for the evening, um, Erica Clark, who will be moderating this conversation. Uh, Erica is a member of the African National Women's Organization. And so I want to bring Erica up so she can introduce herself. Uhuru, uh, thank you, Amanda. Um, and again, just for those listening, Uhuru means freedom in Swahili. Um, I, as Amanda said, I'm a member of the African National Women's Organization, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation um, this evening, just to be had with the strong individuals on this call um, that are leading this work. Let's get right into it. So first up, I will introduce Yejide Aramila. Um, to introduce herself. She is the president of the African National Women's Organization. Um, so yesterday, welcome. Thank you so much, Amanda, for, for having us on. I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, as you've already introduced, I'm the president of the African National Women's Organization, which is um, a revolutionary organization for African women anywhere on the face of the planet. Um, in our organization, one of our campaigns is Arrest CPS. Uh, which focuses on the ending the relationship that the state has or ending the hegemony that it has in um, criminalizing, kidnapping, and targeting Black communities. Um, and we do that by organizing with parents who are fighting to get their children back and doing whatever we um, can to help um, negate the fact that the, the state is um, um, criminalizing them. So really excited about the this March, which has been something that we've been um, planning for a long time. Not planning for a long time, but thinking about uh, in our minds. And and yeah, so I'm based in uh, Maryland. It has been organizing for the last 15 years. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be uh, on this call. Cool, thank you. And next up we have Demetria Hester, also a member of the African National Women's Organization. Uhuru, 
It's so good to be on this podcast to get this out and talk about this march and talk about the injustice that CPS has always done to Black families, tearing them apart, destroying them, not providing resources, making money off the backs of our ourselves as women, African women and children. So it's exciting and I'm very um, pumped up and ready to, you know, attack <laughs> and ready to make this happened because it's so needed. Our African women are so um, disrespected um, on a daily basis. And this march gives us a chance to stand up and fight back. I am also a member of the African People's Socialist Party and uh, Black is Back Coalition and I volunteer at Uhuru Pies. And I just love everything about the African People's Socialist Party to join um, ANWO and to be a part of ANWO is such a, a delight because as African women, we're strong and we're fighting back and coming together to um, show that we can stand up and fight back for our children. Our children are our future and I'm a grandmother four times over and um, I just know that this system needs to be burned down and we need to take care and protect our children and our community. Guru, thank you for that. And next up, we have Regina Rage. Yuhuru, um, thank you so much for having me here today. I am so excited for this march. The, there is no Black liberation if our families are being stolen and sold by the state. Um, I think it's, as a Black parent, I think that it is incredibly vital that we all begin to get involved in this work. And that is why I'm here today. And that is why I plan to be at the march with my children. Since I've become a parent, I've had to deal with the threat of the state intervening in my care for my children. And so this work has a bit of a personal element in, in it for me. And this has happened to so many families that I know personally. So it's incredibly honorable that um, I've been invited to be here today. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And last but certainly not least, Lakeisha Dorsey with the Family Justice Tribe. Hello, hello, hello. I just learned what Yuhuru means. And I'm going to come to this space um, with from my mother tongue, from the Yoruba language, Omi Naira, which also means freedom. And that's my word actually for this year. Um, so my name is Keisha um, Adeni Dorsey, and um, I am the executive director of Family Justice Tribe, which is powered by K Adeni Law. And um, if I'm not saying my last name properly, it's because that's something that was taken from me um, as a result of being um, in the system. Um, I grew up in the foster care system here in Los Angeles. And um, I'm super, super excited just to be in this space with so many uh, just powerful women and organizations that are really speaking truth to power as it pertains to the system and really spreading awareness. Uh, so that the uh, court of, of opinion, right, of, of, the, of the people um, can actually know what's happening um, with our families and how the system has been so destructive. And so I'm super excited to be a part of this march. 
um, and to be connected to each and every one of you powerful women. Thank you. Thank you so much. And again, I mean, you guys can hear the power that is on this podcast right now. And, you know, these Black women that are choosing to rise up, regardless of circumstances, regardless of what is going on, the problem, we see it. And we know that coming together, we can be the solution. And so let's get into it. The first, the first thing that I want to ask you guys is, what does She Has Risen mean? What does that mean? Because I could tell you what it meant for me when I, you know, when I was thinking about the topic, we're coming up on Easter, right? We're coming up on a day that so many people celebrate. Um, but but as, as Black women, we're saying that we are no longer going to wait. We are rising up. We see the problem. We see that this system is kidnapping our children left and right. And we're not going to sit around and we're, we're not going to sit around and wait for a solution. And so my question to and anybody can can jump in is what does the title she has risen? What does that mean to you? Uru, um, Keisha, can you say your can you say the word in Yoruba again? Yoruba? Yes. Ominaira. Ominaira. I love that. Sounds like a name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Somebody named Ominaira. <laughs> Frida. <laughs> yes, I love that. So um, thank you for the question, Amanda. This is uh, Yejide with the African National Women's Organization. Um, for me, she, ha she has risen um, basically when it's like, it brings up a picture in my mind of, of my grandmother, of her foremothers, of African women that I have seen um, talked about throughout history, of myself, of you comrades who um, have taken it upon yourselves to, or ourselves to actually um, fight back. There's this, this idea in society that women um, have, are somehow uh, oppressed and, and cannot do what men do. But I think when we look at the history of black women, <laughs> throughout history, like we've always been leaders in our communities and, and not so much as side stories, but actually pivotal, important, historical figures that have changed the way that society has, has been um, shifted, has led military campaigns that have really um, been an example, not just to women, but to our whole entire African community, and I can name a few. We have Queen Nana Santoa, and, and we have uh, Nanny of the Maroons, we have Harriet Tubman. Um, these are women that uh, are well known in the African community because, you know, this has been a part of who we are historically. So when, when I think of the, the, the phrase, she has arisen, I really, um, the, these images come to mind to, to remind us that black women, <laughs> because we, the, you know, black women did not have the luxury and still do not have the luxury of being depressed or being on the low scope of society, that because we are oppressed, we have always been in, in, the, in the trenches fighting, rising, struggling, um, for equality, for justice, not just for our own selves, but for our entire people. And um, so she has risen really just, again, just um, really brings to mind this, this vision of 
African women and the historical fact that we have always been struggling, fighting and winning um, and being an example to our people um, decade over decade, century over century. And I'm really um, um, appreciative of being a part of that legacy of fighting um, for on behalf of Black women, but also on behalf of Black people. Uhuru, thank you for that, Yejere. Anyone else who would like to go This is Demetria. Um, I just want to say she has risen is so powerful because we have been oppressed as African women for so long in everything we do, from work to children to home to outside. We have been oppressed and still are oppressed, and we're here to let the world know that we are the mothers of the earth, that we make things happen, that we will not stand by and let our future, our future be taken. Our kids are our future. So we're going to stand up and fight with the spirit of our ancestors that yesterday just named, giving us the power to stand up and say, she has risen and you cannot quiet that. You cannot silence that. You cannot put that she has risen down because when you have risen, that means that you've overcome everything. You have risen to the top and that's what we're here to let everybody know. We are no longer the bottom. We are the top and we refuse to be silenced. And this march and this energy, this love for our children is going to vibrate around the world where everybody is going to say, she has risen. Yeah, I was going to say for me, um, she has risen. Uh, actually, it, it had a, a really personal um, like meaning for me in the sense that, you know, for a long time, um, I would say probably up until the last few months, um, I had so much shame around just being um, in the system. It was a secret that I carried even as a child. I didn't want anyone to know um, that I was, you know, in the system or I was a quote unquote foster kid. Um, and when I did decide, you know, that I was going to start to get into advocacy work, um, just having, you know, the trauma or the experience of having um, you know, your story to be tokenized, right, where people would like want to hear your story, but they don't want to hear about, you know, any meaningful solutions or contributions that you might have to bring to the table. Um, and so for me, it is the rising up of folks who have been impacted, children of mothers, um, you know, who will say like, this is not, you know, enough is enough. We're no longer going to allow uh, these government systems to interfere with our families, our immediate families, with our bloodlines, um, that we would, you know, be able to 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 just recognize and to um, just affirm, right, like our motherhood um, and our right to be parents and our right to not have to parent in fear, um, right, and our rights as those of us who've been in the system to be able to say, you know what, I don't have to um, take on the story or the narrative of others that would say, for example, that, you know, I should be grateful, right? Um, or, 
you know, you're lucky or, right, all of these just, um, these, these myths, right? Um, and he can say, no, I actually still at 36 years old, I want my mother, I want my father, I want to know my grandparents, right? My aunties, my uncles, right? And so um, for me, like I said, it just had a, just a personal meaning of like, you know, in order for us to really create the meaningful change that we want to, to, to make, um, in order for us to dismantle and disrupt um, this system, we have to be willing and courageous and take back agency and voice um, in these spaces and speak up and rise. Uh, thank you for that, Keisha. Look, I'm gonna let Rage go ahead and speak. Uhuru. Um, when I think of the phrase, um, it really makes me think of standing up and reclaiming your dignity and your humanity. We are, and, and your identity, um, the state constantly tries to tell us who we are as parents and um, tries to take control of the narrative and we are coming together in unity to tell our own stories and take control of our ability to raise our children. We are, we're reclaiming our humanity because this system also consistently dehumanizes us mm -hmm. as black women and femmes and reduces us to nothing more than our ability to produce efficient participants in this society. And we are coming together to destroy that construct as well. Um, I felt, I feel empowered from just hearing what everyone has had to say so far. And I think that's all a part of it as well. Uhuru. Uhuru, thank you for that rage. Um, Real quickly, um, another part of that was going to be to ask why it is so important for Black women to rise. And I think all of your answers explain just that. Um, and it speaks to the liberation of ourselves um, and our people and our children and our families. Um, with that, um, I would like to move us to our next question. Um, what does or can collective healing look like for the families that have been impacted? I'll call on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one collective healing looks like, you know, what we're doing right now, truly just coming together and start having those conversations, talking about what's going on and talking about how we can come together to heal our own communities. So again, I think the first part is having that conversation. And also what we're doing coming together for this march. It's not just a march to you know, make noise, it's also a march to bring people together to heal. They, there will be mothers who will be without their children on Mother's Day. There'll be fathers without their children, grandparents who, who don't have the luxury of just hugging and, and smelling or just experiencing that child. And so a part of that healing is first understanding that there's other people who hurt like you. And so being able to, to look to your left and to look to your right when we're sitting in Washington, D.C., well, standing in Washington, D.C., that is a part of the healing is that we no longer have to suffer alone. We don't have to suffer alone. We can come together and say, you know, it's, it's not just me. 
it, it happened to me too. And so we could all come together and heal. I unite with that, Amanda, completely, you know. Yesterday? Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's really just, you know, colonialism. Yeah. And just for those of us who, who, don't, who are not familiar or don't, I want to give, explain a little bit. So colonialism is when a foreign um, nation, if you will, takes over another nation and imposes upon that oppressed nation their values, their systems, their laws, their policies. And, and when the colonized nation experiences life, is experiencing life as under oppression. And sometimes if colonialism lasts as long as it has with us, we tend not to recognize it in the ways that, because that's all that has ever existed for us, right? Like we tend to think that this is our government. We tend to think that this is the way things are, that the police is supposed to be this way and that life is supposed to be just as it is and save except a couple of injustices that we might wanna reform. And so because we've been colonized, we have no experience, no historical or any point of reference about what it means not to be colonized. And I think one of the ways that we can start to communicate to, to heal is really think about the systems that we live under and how we want them to be and what would be good in this element. Like how can we make sure that we that children are safe, that parents aren't, you know, stripped away of their children. And I think part of um the way that we would handle that as colonized people, not being colonized anymore once we get free, right, is recognizing the historical trauma that that brings on our community, that Black people, African people in particular, have had a long history in a relationship with this system where our children and our families and have been robbed of each other because of, you know, the colonizer's thirst for resources and profit and capital and gain. And I think that the, the ways that colonialism really impacts our community, we have to talk about. Because I was on an earlier call with um, Rose and you know she basically raised that this is the only movement really in terms of Black people where we have to convince people that this that is a need for this movement. And that's because colonialism has done a great disservice, um, has really ruined the relationships that we have with each other to make to help people understand that this is wrong, visually, this is wrong, that that this is how it's happening. It has us defending a system that continues to oppress us. And part of the the initial healing would be to really open up that discussion really talk about what decolonization really means and how we can implement these things in our lives and recognizing that the systems that we uh, basically celebrate within the society are not ours, that we did not create them. Even if we're in them, we did not create them. They were not made for us. And the, so that helps us understand why these things are happening to us. And so, if we start from that point, then we begin to think about things that are made by us. What can we create on our own to um, deal with the issues that exist because of colonialism and 
and can cause someone to be vulnerable to the state, you know, things like drugs and things like that. But for it's a kind of a long way of saying that, you know, I think the initial thing that we have to do is really open up, you know, the the, the ways that colonialism has impacted our communities and bring in the people who have been most impacted by the, the way that colonialism has impacted our communities, especially in um, when we're talking about um, child welfare and have those people say, this is this is what I think would help, you know? And um, and then we begin from that point and not from the other end of the spectrum where somebody who hasn't been experiencing this. And I think at that point, we'll be able to begin the healing and open up discussion and show individuals who are going through the system as human beings that deserve respect and love and deserve to be together despite the contradictions that we ourselves did not create. Uhuru. Uhuru. I had to see if my mic, it was okay to unmute while you were speaking because, you know, Rachel and I over here like, yup, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just in complete unity. Um, it is important and it's imperative that we continue to address and make sure that colonialism is um, spoken to when we have these discussions because we are colonized people. So thank you for that. I wanted to follow up with that because um, yesterday that's actually the path I think of healing that I took personally was learning about you know colonialism and learning about just the the ways in which um, this country really has created right the system and the system is operating the way that it's designed to um, and you know I thought first you know like maybe the healing should just start with my immediate yeah nuclear you know family of my siblings and my and my and my parents but you know everyone I think that's another thing that we should also you know remember as we're going through our healing journeys is that we all have individual healing journeys right and that everyone's not going to be you know in a space um, emotionally or space that's safe right um, to maybe heal at the same um, time, right? Um, and so for me, it was learning about colonialism, learning about, you know, this system. Like I literally got a very tunnel vision, so much so that it drove me to law school, okay? I went to law school because I was learning about a system that had controlled, you know, my entire existence really, right? And I think by, you know, getting in, representing folks, you know, I saw myself as a family defender, not as a parent attorney or child attorney, because I think that's another kind of challenge, right? That we would look at these like as separate entities, but it's as opposed to looking at the family as a unit. But as I was doing that work and representing folks who, um, you know, had some of the same struggles or same, the same, same challenges that I was told, right? That my um, mother and father had, it really allowed me to create space where I was able to go back and connect with them and to, you know, and it, I didn't, it shouldn't even say forgive. I think it was more by understood, right? I, um, I saw them and I see them as, you know, part of like being victimized, right? In the sense of, you know, the colonialism in this country. And so it's like, yes, you know, my mother may have used crack, but who put it there, right? And you know, my father might have been here, you know, as an immigrant from Nigeria and didn't have financial resources, but why, right? Um, and so that really helped me, I think, to um, approach 
like those relationships and to like reconnect right in a way um, that I don't know that I would have been able to do if I still had the framework of what the colonizers told me about my parents, if that makes sense. Um, and so I really, really, really um, resonate with that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the healing sometimes has to start outside of that immediate family. It's a collective healing, collective community. Um, one of the things I always tell Amanda is because for so long, um, and I don't know if it's because I'm over here on the West Coast, um, I felt very isolated in the, like how my viewpoints are in this space. Um, as you were saying it today, feeling like I had to, um, like even to folks who represent families, right? Um, explain, you know, why this system is so destructive. And, um, and then I found community, right? Um, and, you know, Amanda leaked me to y'all too, right? So I'm, I feel like I'm in community with people I don't have to like explain, right? <laughs> people get it. Um, and that's healing as well. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you said, does that make sense? I'm like, you know, that makes sense in this circle, okay? <laughs> right. Um, Demetria, would you like to speak? Yes, you're her rule. Um, I think the first thing that we need is a safe space uh, for healing because um, as we grow up and we see that really there's no safe space to discuss these issues. It's no safe space for us to be um, our authentic selves and say what's really going on, what has caused our environment for us to think, you know, that CPS has the right to be in our lives, that CPS, you know, are, are trying to do something good. I mean, we have to understand why CPS was put there. Why are we as African women uh, still made the mode of production, you know, and then they take our children and then they want us to be sane through this whole process without even giving us any um, therapy, without even giving us the tools that they, you know, know that we need because we're already in poverty. We already, you know, are, are up against so many obstacles that we don't even, you know, we don't even know how to address it because there's so many things that's overwhelming our children our behavior, what we do, being criminalized, not being able to have support, not being able to have people around you that can understand what you're going through. And those are the things that we need to heal. And we need reparations. I mean, we definitely need reparations in order to be in a safe place to heal and go so we won't have to worry about paying our rent, worry about paying bills, but we need to be able to go in a safe environment and say, hey, we have this time to heal, this time to talk about our feelings, this time to understand our environment, this time to come back to the people that they put out of our lives because of what they did. You know, people that you want in your life, but because they told say your children or your family members that you're a bad person we have to understand what CPS and their purpose is and understand that we can overcome all of it by 
talking it out, spreading the word, letting people know that this is why CPS is doing it. This is what their motive is. This is what they're doing. And we have to stop it. So us banding together is a healing process itself. Us being able to communicate to each other what's going on and and coming together to facilitate such a beautiful, a beautiful um, uh, march. Like we, this march is so powerful that everybody is going to know that this system needs to be uh, destroyed and we're here to do it. And that's healing itself. You're her room. Yes, it just it ties back to what yesterday was speaking to in regards to asking the most those the most impacted, what do you need versus addressing a system or encountering a system that says, you know, oh, well, this is what we have to help you. So having that safe space, I completely agree. Comrade Rage. Uhuru. Yeah, I just I really unite with everything that has been said so far. I think that everything um, that has been mentioned is key to the healing process. I know for me personally, um, one of my first steps to healing was really like believing, not only understanding, but believing that many of the contradictions that I had had to face as a black person were, was orchestrated. Like really having to detach myself from the idea that all of these circumstances are my fault and that if I would just do better, it would be better for me. Um, it was really powerful for me to have the understanding that no, there, there's an entire system working to create these conditions to force us into these cycles of poverty and violence and it is constantly working to destroy us because when you when you finally get what your enemy is doing to you you can start to conceive how to destroy it and I needed I really needed to hear that because our system is constantly demonizing us and we receive these messages throughout our own upbringing from our own people sometimes. And then that goes into the way that we're parenting as well. And so like just really coming into that understanding and then believing it, internalizing that like, I have to destroy this and this is not my fault. Uhuru. Uhuru. Look, you said, let me speechless, because this march itself is, you know, what collective healing can look like for the families that have been impacted, a space to be able to bring them together, you know, with others who have also been through this system and understand what that's felt like um, in any regard. And so to be able to bring together advocates, parents, families, this is, this is powerful stuff, y'all. This is healing right here. Um, this leads us into our next question. Amanda, yeah, you started off on this one. Our next question, um, why are you choosing to march? And what would you tell someone who may be on the fence about coming to the march? So why do I choose to march? I mean, I, I choose to march for, you know, Zephaniah, 
and, you know, Taiva and Issa and Ajaya, all of these babies that, you know, are currently in the foster care system um, and to be able to give them a voice, to make them real, you know, like, unfortunately, if we, we see the stories on, on social media, but these families are real. The, their pain is real. They don't get to turn it off or take a break from, from their experience. And so, you know, when I think about why, why should we come together, it's because there, there's really no other option at this point. Like there's no other option other than us coming together and taking our power back. Like our, the, the power is in the hands of the people and the faster that we get enough people, <laughs> right? We gotta get enough people together to, to, to direct the, the, um, the solution at the problem. That's why I march because I know it's time. And I know if not us, then who? I choose to march because I too was separated from my family. My, my, I'm, I have a white mother and she was facing the same contradictions that a lot of these other, these black mothers are facing. Yet because of her whiteness, she was given whatever she needed to overcome those contradictions. And I myself was not even granted that grace when it came to being investigated by CPS and when it came to being taken away from my family as a child myself, because of my, the white side of my family's own internalized white supremacy, they rationalized purposely keeping me away from the black side of my family. They spent years, um, trying to convince me that my family never wanted me trying to convince me that so many horrible things would have happened to me. And now I'm a grown person and I'm trying to reconnect with my family and I'm a stranger to them. And I can only imagine what, how, how likely it is that this, that is a future for the kids that are taken away from their families as well. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else. And as a mother, I, I've had to fight just to keep my kids. And so coming to this march is my way of representing all of those kids who get taken away all of those moms who really fight to keep their children. And I'm bringing my kids with me because they have had to witness so much of this violence and it has really taken away their childhood. And so they're gonna march too. And we're all there to represent this struggle that black women and femmes are facing all over the world. Ooh. I appreciate you so much, Raish. Um, real quickly, before I pass it on to um, one of our other panelists, I would like to answer this question just briefly um, in that I, to anybody that's on the fence about coming to this march, I don't know why you're questioning it. Um, it may not affect you directly, 
you may not think that it affects you directly, but this touches the life of someone around you, someone in passing, someone in your neighborhood, strangers that you don't even know, you know, and the fact that it goes so deep and the pain is so evident and real in the lives of these people day in and day out of these families, day in, day out, these children, day in and day out. It should be enough to get you to say, okay, well, what can I do? You know, and at least try to do something, raise awareness, donate money, come out and fight for those who do not have the capacity to fight for themselves, who do not have the ability to fight for themselves. Because these are children getting caught up in a system. These are families getting caught up in a system that is constantly twisting their words and actions into something that they're not and making them believe that they are not worthy of a family unit, making them believe that they are not worthy of the love of the people around them, making them believe that, you know, they were just brought here for some reason, you know, and I'm just, I'm coming to this march, you know, just in unity and to fight for my family, my cousins that have gone through the foster care system, um, you know, just everything that has been touched um, by this corrupt system. Yes, Shay? Yes. Um, what would, what, we, we have to, look at this in the scope of history <laughs> and we look at it in the scope of history and if we're talking about looking at if we look at all the statistics around you know the, the number of black children in foster care all those numbers that that's one part of it but actually seeing in the age of social media so many different examples practical real world examples of of the terror of child protective services that in this moment in history, in the history of our people, if we witness this and don't do anything, that will be our legacy. That will be what we've put down in history, that we don't care, <laughs> that we don't care, that we believe in the same oppressive system, that we take their narrative over the reality of what is happening to our people. And we are okay with that. And I think that to convince people <laughs> to march would mean to basically say, you either gonna defend black people or you ain't. <laughs> That's it. There's no space to, to, to sit on the fence. This, this hits at the very center point of our community, our children. Statistically, if you look at statistics, the children who go through foster care, many of them are on a route to the prison system. And this is what the system is set up for. More than that, it is a breakdown, it is a shredding, it is a destruction of the entire family, not just the children and the parents, but the entire families are broken up because of this. People have bad feelings, They're, they think this should have been done or that should have been done. I mean, I've experienced it and through you know, advocating and fighting for these parents. And I just think that in the scope of history, if we have seen that this is happening, if we know the numbers, if we know that children are being taken out of community, parents are being criminalized, and this happens on a daily basis, it is a crisis. And if we are not prepared, if we are not going to defend this crisis, if we're just gonna lay down and let this be a silent thing, 
then we can basically just say, <laughs> just give it up right now. So we have to organize this march. We have to be present. We have to be the, the voice that is coming out of the silence, that is shouting, whispering, doing whatever we can to help people understand that this is a crisis in our community. This is genocide that is happening. This is not disconnected from the slavery that we talk about on the auction blocks and the historical pictures that we may see or the, the slave narratives that we may see or the movies that they put up on the TV to make you believe that this is something that happened 300 years ago. It's happening right now, right now, right now. And it's our responsibility to get into those streets, to defend and advocate and either for Black people and you're for freedom and for non-slavery and trafficking and all these things, or you ain't. Um, and and we are. So we we're gonna be in Washington D.C. And, and anybody who is on the fence about that means that they were never really uh, for Black people and for freedom and for you know just the 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 movement to free us from the shackles of oppression. And this is the pinnacle of that. This is the very this at the very nature. Of, of oppression is when we talk about the kidnapping of black children, the unparenting, the unmothering, the unfathering of black parents, and and the the commodification of human human beings through the foster care system. Thank you for that person yesterday. Comrade uh, Demetria. Yuhuru, yuhuru, yuhuru. I am marching because this is personal, very personal. I can't spend time with my grandkids because the system has polluted my daughter to thinking that their system is the way I should have raised her. I mean, this is so personal. If you lined up 10 women, nine out of 10 women have been through this with this corrupt system, the mode of production that we are to this system and it must be destroyed. We can no longer accept the oppressor we can no longer accept the lie. We can no longer accept the disrespect. We can no longer accept the decriminalization. We can no longer accept any of it. So we're here to fight and to show that not only are we going to fight, but we're going to organize and we're going to plan and we're going to make sure that with the organization and the planning that this system is burned down and we have a system for our own children. We have a system that helps us heal. We have a system that helps our children with whatever needs they need help. The fact that this colonial system has taken so many children and destroyed so many families, it's, it's ridiculous. And over, like yesterday said, over the years, even all the way back to the, the slavery times, when they known to take our children up until now where they've named it, you know, CPS. It's the history of taking our children and using us and our children as mode of production. And we will no longer stand for this. Yes, they're doing it, but no, we won't stand for it. And we're gonna make sure that our future does not have this story to tell. They have a story to tell that we she has risen and that she is making sure that our future is our children, our grandchildren are safe 
and that they're not in jeopardy of being taken. You hear it, Keisha? Um, so for me, um, it's for two, two, two reasons. One is for healing, right? Just being in collective community with other folks um, and marching. You know, some people are like, why do people march? But those spaces are always healing spaces um, for those of us who, um, you know, have been impacted, whether it's a march, right, in, in this context or marches in other contexts. Um, and the other piece is education, right? It is to give faith, give voice to a system that has largely been shredded in secrecy that people don't know about, right? Um, it is to, um, to sound the alarm that we do not have a foster care system in this country. We do not have a child welfare system in this country. We do not have a child protection system in this country. We have a family regulation system. We have a family destruction system. We have a family policing system in this country. And I think that those, you know, our brothers and sisters who are fighting for like prison abolition, who will look at this issue and say, but that's different. Right, I think that um, that if you understood and if you um, and if and if folks were educated, right, and if um, you know we and and part of this is doing that, right, it's educating the public um, that those brothers and sisters would also wake up, right, and they would say, hey, this is a movement, this is a part of our movement, right? These are twin systems; they're all systems, they're all carceral systems, and so if you're on the fence and you're someone who believes in prison abolition and you believe in um, you know, defunding the police, um, but you somehow see the system as different, um, please uh, call any of us, right? We will educate you um, because the systems are, they're twin systems and they're all systems of incarceration. So that's for me, it's healing for me, it's healing and it's also um, for education. Um, and then real quickly, uh just want to if anybody has any last remarks um before we get into the details of the march and thank you i just wanted to i just wanted to say as someone who's worked for this system as an investigator for over 10 years i really want people to understand that this system is not for us I've seen it firsthand working in the system. And if we do not march and come together and we continue this status quo, the system will continue to kidnap our children. It will continue to operate how it was designed to operate. Um, and so we, we have to do something different. Con continuing the same way is just insanity at this point. <laughs> we gotta do something different and we gotta come together. Let's get into the details about you know the march so people know where they're coming, right? And so we will um, have the rally right in front of the White House at Lafayette Park um, on May 8th, which is Mother's Day. And we're meeting there at 11 a.m. Um, and then we'll march around the very populated downtown area so that we are heard and we are felt. Um, and then we will come back to uh, Lafayette Park for the post rally, um, just to you know close it out, make sure that everybody is connected um, to different organizations. You know, see, we want you to meet people while you are there, find who's in your city or in your state. So when you go back to your local community, you can continue to organize. Um, on our website, we have the hotel information, we have room blocks. Um, you can click right on our website at blackmothersmarch.com and um, you can contact the, the hotel and it's under Black Mothers March. 
Um, we are also, of course, always accepting donations, and you can donate at theblackmothersmarch.com. You know, it, it takes resources to put this march together and make it an experience for each and every person that comes. And so, again, we we, um, we welcome each and every one of you to donate at blackmothersmarch.com. Uh, we will have events leading up to the march and then post-march. Uh, we're having a mother-daughter yoga uh, in the parts at 11, at 11 a.m., on um on may 7th and so please check our website for more details once that flyer is posted um and then we're having a teaching from two to four at the black box theater at black box theater um and that will be an opportunity for us to truly have the community understand this problem and how it is of impact in our, our community and the history behind the child protection system. And then some resources that you can walk away with and, and implement in your local community. Um, and then after the March, we're having a big table talk. It's gonna be invitation only. Um, so definitely if you want to come, please contact one of our organizations to see about getting on the list so that we can have this, you know, this much needed conversation. Um, and then in regards to transportation, we do have bus information on our website at blackmothersmarch.com. But we also encourage everybody to organize carpools in your local area. You know, contact your neighbor, your cousin, your sister, y'all get together put some gas money together and, and get there we can we can do this and we can solve any problems that we have um to to get there to, to washington dc you i just know i'm excited and it's it's time so vanguard up let's go let's burn down this system and let's create black community control I also want to just, I just also want to deepen what you said about the fundraising part. <laughs> um, yeah, that, go ahead. <laughs> that that um, if folks don't have the resources to donate, but they know or are connected to any other organizations, be able to contact us at info at blackmothersmarch.com. And we have a sponsorship letter that we can send to you that if you don't have the words, we, we, we got a letter that we can give to you that you can send and we have all the words for you. And, you know, no amount is too small, but yeah, it does take resources to put this march on. And we do appreciate all of the support that we've gotten so far from the organizations that are participating, but also individuals, uh, strangers that we, you know, that we uh, have seen donations come in from. So uh, that's um, all I wanted to contribute. Yes, yes. And just reminding folks that the work that we do day in and day out pushes the revolution forward. And we are bringing our collective power to Washington, D.C. to let the people who run the trillion dollar corporation known as the United States of America know that we are coming for our babies. This operation Stop CPS says, and we are rising up to say enough is enough because it is. It definitely is. And I just want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you um, for sharing space on this podcast today. It has truly been an honor an honor to be in community with each and every one of you. It is hard out here fighting for these families, but it, it makes it easier when you have a community of people to support, um, you know, and be in community with. So again, I just want to thank each and every one of you for your time. Yeah. Please tell me that I can't, that I won't, that I fail, that I'll never make it out, yeah. Please tell me all the bad, never good, fill my head full of every single doubt, yeah. Please say any negative thoughts, I pop off when I hear people say I cannot. I get off to the thought of proving everyone wrong, I won't stop to the top, so you better back off and get lost.